0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the NAV Step Back
1: Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I am joined today, rejoined by my co-host, Drew Johnson. We've got a little bit of role reversal today. For the past couple of months, it's been like Dalton's truck chronicles. uh, Because I I try to, uh, my home studio isn't set up yet, as you guys can tell. Uh, But it's a work in progress. And in the meantime, if I record late at nights, I don't want to disturb my wife because, you know, from where I record in the house is very close to the bedroom. And so I just say, you know what, I'm just going to go outside and and do it from the from the vehicle. So that's why that happens. I'm not homeless, I promise. Uh, But, you know, uh, (laughs) today is role reversal. Uh, where uh, DJ is doing that. So, DJ, good to have you. We're going to start out by talking about something that we haven't formally come on here and talked about with each other, and that is Luca's 73-point outburst in Atlanta over the weekend on Friday night. Uh, Just just an incredible performance all around. He almost had a 70-point triple-double, 73 points, shot 25 of 33 from the field. Uh, and he had 10 rebounds and seven assists. And, you know, we were talking about before we came on here, he did that on the four-year anniversary of when Kobe passed away. Just an incredible coincidence. Like, I don't know if that was extra motivation for him going into it uh, or what, but he did talk about it afterwards about how special it was and how he felt special to be mentioned in the same breath as some of these guys that have had these – uh out, outrageous scoring nights in the NBA, 73 points. That's tied uh, for fourth all-time ever in an NBA game. And look, he could have, in my opinion, he could have easily passed Kobe's 81 if he hadn't been – I, I, I kind of got the feeling that he was kind of hunting for that 70-point triple-double. Uh, he was kind of pressing for it a little bit, you know, in the last five minutes or so of that fourth quarter when. You know, if he would have just kept going with with what he knew, which was getting to the rim every single time and hitting threes and all that, I think he could have easily passed it, but he didn't. Uh, And it was a career high, a Mavs franchise high, and again tied for the fourth highest in league history. What were your initial thoughts watching Luka just dominate the way he did? And in Atlanta, of all places, the team that traded him in the 2018 NBA draft it, it was incredible but what do you think about it
2: you know it's funny life can be so poetic um it happens on the anniversary of the great Kobe Bryant's death and it happens in Atlanta the city that traded him to Dallas like it doesn't get much more storybook than that I can see why people say you know everything's scripted or whatever because honestly sometimes it seems that way but you know the the game itself I mean he just I agree with you. I think he could have gone for probably 90 at least if he would have just been more selfish. But we all know that ain't Luca. Um, I just wish that his teammates would have been able to give him that uh, that 70 point triple double. But, you know, it is what it is. It's still one of the greatest all time performances in NBA history. It's the greatest single game performance by a Maverick. I mean, <laughs> if anyone had any doubts <laughs> I don't know why you would at this point, but if anyone had any doubts, I think we can pretty easily dispel them.
1: No, and I mean, it's it's not just the 73-point game. It's, you know, he played 45 of the 48 minutes in that game. Then on the second night of a back-to-back against the Sacramento Kings, he played 46 minutes. And the Mavs got down big. They almost pulled off a huge comeback in the fourth quarter but they came up just a little bit short, 120 to 115. But Luca, on the second night of a back-to-back, after putting up nearly a 70-point triple-double, had 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 17 assists in that game. So played played 91 minutes in a back-to-back, put up those kind of numbers, became the first player ever in NBA history to average a 50-point triple-double over a two-game span. And then on Monday night, as we saw... In the most recent performance, he comes back again, third game in four nights, and puts up 45 points, nine rebounds, 15 assists, two steals, shoots 52% from the, from the field, and hits three of eight threes. Like the guy is just on a historic tear right now. Like he's, this is something I feel like we, I know those, I know scoring is high around the league right now. You know, just in general, there's been an uptick in guys having big scoring nights, but just, just in general, what Luca's doing across the board, not just with his scoring, but with his assists and his points, I mean his uh, rebounds, everything all together, you know, upping his intensity on the defensive end of the floor. We are seeing a an evolution in Luca right now. Like this is this is like him stepping into his prime years <laughs> because He's about to turn 25. He turns 25 on February 28th, so he's got one more month. And typically when you turn 25, from 25 to your early 30s is typically considered your prime years. And so, you know, the way he has taken this next step here recently, you kind of figure like this is it. This is what prime Luca looks like. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you'd like to see him – not have to strain himself with playing so such big minutes, but you know, I don't really know what Jason Kidd can do differently, right? And then look, we've we've had we've had our gripes with Kidd and some of the decisions he's made this year rotation one, yeah, you know, <laughs> 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 In that game, T- Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. were yelling at Kidd because he didn't call a time and and I guess I'll, we'll, we'll take a little sidebar here to to tell about this, but the Mavs were up 127 to 124 uh, against the um, – I don't even remember who they played now. My mind just went blank. Uh, they played uh, – oh, shoot. This is embarrassing. Who did this? The Orlando Magic. See, this is how – I need a break. I need it. We we need to take a break and take a vacation for a little bit, but we can't because the trade deadline is in nine days. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I knew this, but anyway, uh the Orlando Magic, uh, they they were up on the Magic 127, 124 with 17 seconds remaining. And they inbounded the ball to Tim Hardwood Jr. He got double, he got trapped, and after it took like four or five seconds. Before uh, he he got called for a traveling violation, and you know they were thinking like, okay, you have two timeouts with 17 seconds left. Why did you not call a timeout? And yeah. you know Hardaway and Luca were both like yelling at kid on the sideline, and you know uh, Hardaway was asked about it afterwards, and he played it off and not a big deal. And everybody was like, oh man, like come on, kid, you you gotta you gotta do better than that. and, and it got. There were some tense moments in the final seconds because the Mavs, they were up by three. Uh Paolo Banchero hit one free throw, missed the second on purpose with three seconds left. And then uh Franz Wagner uh, had a desperation heave at the very end of the game that could have won it, and it hit off the right side of the rim. So if that shot goes in, the, <laughs> the heat on Jason Kidd's seat all automatically gets hotter if, if that goes in. So they win. You don't have to worry about it. But anyway, so we've had our gripes with kid, but I just don't know what else he's supposed to do with Luka's minutes specifically uh, in, in this particular situation with as many injuries as the Mavs have had. Because Dante Exum's out again. Derrick Jones Jr. sprained his wrist in that Hawks game. He's been out the past two games. Uh, Kyrie Irving – missed his fourth consecutive game with a thumb sprain. So I mean, I don't know what else they can do because Luke they have to have Luke on the court to stay attached yeah. with his many injuries. So um I mean, am I right in that? Is there anything else as a coach you can do? If you're if your main goal is to win, you have to have Luke on the court with as how short handed you are right now.
2: I was about to say, I mean, if you want to win ball games, you got to have your best player on the floor, especially whenever you're missing so many pieces. I mean, yeah, it could be an opportunity for someone else to stand up or step up rather, but that's not always going to win you games. And in most cases, it's not going to. So, I mean, you're putting people in situations that they aren't usually put in very often. So, you know, that's not really a recipe for success. Like, I know we all hate the fact that Luke is having to play all these minutes, but it's either that or lose. I mean that's that's the point that we're at right now with with the injuries and the lack of depth and everything that we're going through right now.
1: Yeah, um, and I mean, look to to I guess one way to kind of stifle the minute issue for Luca is to have is to add more talent to the roster uh-huh. from what is currently there, or more consistent talent at least. Because last night, you know, it was one of those situations where the Mavs got some pretty good contributions. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, who was starting, went for 36 points, had eight rebounds, shot 11 of 17 overall. Uh, Derek Lively, he was great, 20 points, uh, 11 rebounds. And then you had Jaden Hardy off the bench in 27 minutes, scoring 20 points and shooting eight of nine overall, four or five from three. Now, 18 of those points came in the first half. He disappeared in the second half, but still – you know when the Mavs were down by 16, uh, he you know Hardy was one of the main guys keeping them attached. So he 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 played a huge role in the Mavs staying attached and you know not letting it get too far away from him. And then they made that second half surge. So I look at that and I say, okay, Tim Hardaway Juniors have he had a pretty good game. Hardy had a pretty good game. Maybe that helps their trade value you know, as we get closer to the deadline here, because we've got nine days to go until we get there. And I've got a list here that I want to just read out to you, DJ. Um, let me pull it up here. I've got a list of small forwards slash power forwards. And then I've got a list of centers, you know, guys that can potentially help the Mavs out. So here we go. All right. Small forwards and power forwards. We've got Jeremy Grant. We've got Kyle Kuzma, Dorian Finney-Smith, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, controversial. We'll talk about Mm. that a little bit. Mm. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, old but good. He's good. Uh, (laughs) Draymond Green, who, you know, as good as he's been since coming back from his suspension, I don't know if he's gettable now or not. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Wiggins might be, you know, damaged goods, but you know, he'd he'd be an upgrade. Uh Jonathan Kaminga. I'm gonna cross that name out. I don't think they're trading. There's no him. way.
2: There's no <laughs> way we would ever get him. No way.
1: As good as he's been lately, I think that's out. Um yeah, no way. And then just for you know, you know what and giggles, uh LeBron James. Because <laughs> the Lakers over halfway through the season are they're they're still mid. They're, they're a 500-basketball team, and, you know, LeBron has been amazing, and he's not getting any younger. So, did they out of the Rockets last night? They did. They got destroyed. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> so, getting beat by an AAU team. I mean, that's pretty much what that's like. But anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, That's this is one reason why I think you know, a lot of people think if the Mavs just get healthy – you know maybe that can you know catapult them into avoiding the play in tournament and i think there's there might be something to that but i don't know if they would be a title contender if healthy they still got to make a couple moves to take that next step um but man as as mediocre as the play in tournament teams are below the mavs in the standings right now i'm not really worried about the Mavs going that far down in the standings, unless something happens and Luca gets hurt. So, so yeah, look, Jeremy Grant, he's probably out of the Mavs price range. There's been Mm -hmm. reports that the Blazers aren't really looking to trade him anyway, at least not right now. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, the reports are that the Wizards are seeking at least two first-round picks or the equivalent of two first-round picks. So, I guess, technically... I mean what would, would would Josh Green would Josh Green and uh you know some so Josh Green and O-Max Prosper be considered the equivalent of two first round picks
2: well another question that I would have is when are the picks cuz like if you if you trade something far enough down the line then maybe it's worth it
1: that's the problem because the Mavs they they traded that 2029 oh. uh first round pick to of the Brooklyn nets for Kyrie Irving. So Mm. the only pick they can really trade right now is the 2027 first round pick. Mm. And to me, if I was another team taking trade offers, I would view that as having a little bit extra value because you don't know what's going to be happening with, you know, Lucas free agency uh, potential free agency in 2026. So, if you're an opposing GM and you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, well, say say the Mavs don't get better and become a title contender between now and 2026, maybe Luca enters free agency and considers his options, and if he does leave Dallas, then all of a sudden that 2027 pick is super valuable. Yeah,
2: <laughs> so, depending on the draft class, but
0: yeah, I mean, so
1: I mean, I, I feel I feel like that pick would have a little bit more value than
0: than what. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a
1: serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What most picks being offered at this particular trade deadline would hold because there's a lot of guys there's a lot of people a lot of teams offering you know late first round picks that in this coming draft that I don't think is as good as what we saw last year um no it's not so, I mean, so it just depends on who the Mavs think is a needle mover and you know I don't know if trading that 20 27 first round pick is is worth getting a guy like uh, Jeremy Grant or a Kyle Kuzma, definitely not Dorian Finney-Smith because I mean you you oh. know is you, you had to trade a pick along with him to get Kyrie. Uh, now, that being said, and I'm going to go through my center list now too. Uh, you know, the, with the Washington Wizards, Daniel Gafford, uh, Nick Claxton with the Nets, also with the Nets, Dayron Sharp, uh, with the Charlotte Hornets, Nick Richards. Yeah. Uh, Clint, Clint Capella with the Hawks, who you know the Mavs have been linked to in the past. Wendell Carter Jr., we saw him last night against the Mavs, and he knocked the crap out of Derek Lively and gave him a bloody nose and then apologized for it on social media afterwards. So we don't, we don't hold it against you, uh, Wendell Carter. <laughs> uh Nikola Vucevic with the Bulls, who might be blowing things up. And uh just as one reclamation project here, I put James Wiseman. Now, I'm not – I'm not really too excited about that option, but you know, just looking at the Pistons and how uh, Duran has has played for them, you know, I feel like they would they would probably sell off uh, James Wiseman pretty cheap and he might be an interesting reclamation project to back up Derek Lively in Dallas. So <clears throat> looking at all these options I've named off, maybe you can trade that 2027 pick if you're getting a good enough package deal. Like with the Wizards, can you get Kyle Kuzma and Daniel Gafford? Uh, You know, with the Hornets, can you get P.J. Washington and Nick Richards? Uh, You know, stuff like that. Dorian Finney-Smith and Nick Claxton from the Nets. And, hey, with the Nets, and I threw this idea out on DallasBasketball.com the other day. You know, I pointed out one of the biggest reasons the Mavs had that 2022 – Western Conference Finals run was, yes, they had, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, you know, manning down or anchoring the defense, even though we didn't have a center then. But you also had the three-headed guard monster of Luca and Jalen Brunson starting. And then you had Spencer Dinwiddie coming off the bench, who is more than capable of getting his own shot and also distributing the ball as well. Mm-hmm. So, in my mind, I'm thinking – well, you know, Dinwiddie, he's not having a good season in uh, in Brooklyn. His best years of his career, or his best stint of his career by far, has been in Dallas when he's playing next to Doncic. So, I mean, maybe you could work something out where you take Dinwiddie from Brooklyn, who, you know, they might not want him anymore, and maybe you get, you know, a package deal, something like Dinwiddie, um, Finney Smith, and – Claxton, or you know, something like that, where you're you're bringing in an influx of multiple players, and then you have a guard trio of Luca, Kyrie, Dinwiddy, and then you also add a defensive minded wing that can hit threes, and you have a a decent center as well. So, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at now. I know there's several several other scenarios we could throw out there, but I just think, in my opinion, if the Mavs are going to make a move now in these next nine days a needle moving kind of trade. They're going to have to trade that 2027 first round pick. And I just think unless they get, you know, as much bang for their buck as possible, I would almost rather just wait until the off season and get healthy and see what you have with this current group the rest of the year. Because I, if I'm Nico Harrison, I am not trading that pick unless it is well worth it right now.
2: Mm -hmm. No, it's got to make, it's got to make you better immediately. I think. And I think of that, uh, that Brooklyn scenario is pretty intriguing just because of the pieces that you bring in. Um, but I'm going to tell you what, I, the Charlotte uh, scenario is pretty interesting because not only do you have the, uh, the PJ Washington, uh, Nick Richards, but uh, what about uh, Miles Bridges? I know people are not high on him because of his actions and I get it. He's probably not yeah. a very good human being, but damn yeah. it. He can play some fucking basketball.
1: Yeah. He yeah. I mean, play. look, look, he's, I mean, that's the thing because the optics of it all would be horrible. Like my, my guy, Alan, uh, with, uh, he's the, uh, the head of Mavs PR. Like I would feel so bad for Alan having to deal with, <laughs> with, with that PR storm. If the Mavs ended up with miles bridges, because I mean, he's currently on probation for a domestic violence issue. Yeah. Uh, that that happened in 2022, I believe. I don't think it was last year. I think it was 2022. Anyway. It was, it was uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and you know, that kind of messed up him signing a new contract. He had to take the qualifying offer from the Hornets. So now he is going to be an unrestricted free agent this upcoming summer. And the thing that's interesting with Bridges, because, I mean, he his averages are – let's look up Miles Bridges – stats right here. I looked them up a while ago because you know, the Mavs they're they're viewed as one of the the top betting favorites to land uh, Miles Bridges in a trade. I posted that on dallasbasketball.com earlier. So, you know, for a guy that's averaging 21.7 rebounds, 3 assists, shooting 46% from the field and 35% from 3, you know, a very versatile forward, normally the Mavs in my, under normal circumstances, this is a guy the Mavs would not have a chance to trade for given yeah. their given their trade assets. But like you said, because of the legal issues, because of the, you know, the optics of it all, because he's on an expiring qualifying offer and any team that trades for him. Uh, well, unless he got traded to a team with cap space, you know, the Mavs could trade for him and they wouldn't have his bird rights. So, you know, he's not going to be able to get the deal that he wants if he goes to Dallas, but you know, this might be one of those situations where when you when you look when you push aside everything else on the outside it's like okay this is a guy that you that's an elite basketball talent and you can get him for the on the cheap end and you have no long-term commitments to him so you know you yep. could bring him in on the cheap see if he you know helps your team out the way you think he probably could And if it just doesn't work, if he is, you know, if things don't work out, you have no commitment to him long-term, you know, see you later. Good luck wherever else you go. So that might be the situation the Mavs are in here because you don't want to sell the farm unless it's something that moves the needle. And, you know, looking, looking at all the other candidates that the Mavs could trade for, that seems to be the highest talent for the cheapest cost, you know, for what they could get. So.
2: Oh, by Mm -hmm. far. And, like, if you just look at him as a basketball player, like, I know we can't do that, but if you just look at him as the basketball talent that he is, he is tremendous. I mean, him and LaMelo Ball, they were one of the most entertaining backcourts to watch in all of the NBA before his uh, episode. I mean, he was a promising young talent before this episode. And, uh, you know, if he comes in and is a shithead, then you can get rid of him. If he comes in and helps you, you look like a freaking genius. And yeah. I think he helps us. I think he 100% would help us on the floor. And yeah. honestly, you know, outside of that, you know, really glaring episode. Now I'm not trying to discount it. That's very serious.
1: Oh yeah. It was I'm, bad. It was, it was awful. <laughs> it's, it's very serious. It's
2: very bad. But, does he negatively impact your locker room in any way? I don't, I've never heard of anything that Miles Bridges has ever done to negatively impact a locker room. I mean, he comes from one of the greatest college basketball coaches ever, as far as coaching uh, culture is concerned. And Tom Izzo, I mean, the guy has been coached by great coaches. He understands what a standard is, he understands what a culture is. Maybe he deserves a second
1: chance it's it's a it's a tough thing to balance and I'd hate to be in Nico's shoes because like I said, it's one of those moves that you you can make and if it works, everybody says, oh, well, great job. you know, you took a you took a low buy on a high talent. It worked out. good for you. He hasn't caused any extra issues. But then, you know, on the flip side, if you do it and then say another incident happens, then all of a sudden, you know that's something that can really you know knock you down the totem pole as far as being respected and stuff like that so you know i <laughs> more power to nico harrison it's it's not a position i would want to be in but you know like i said the assets that the mavs currently have i just feel like you know they're they're not really in a position to be worrying about the optics of things like that you know, as far as just like adding talent, because right now the main objective should be making this team a title contender and yep. making them as good as possible to hope you convince Luca to sign his next contract extension and not enter unrestricted free agency. So, yep. Uh, so that's where I'm at on that. Some other, another uh, center that I didn't mention on here, but we've talked about before, is uh, Andre Drummond, a very affordable backup center in my opinion a rebounding monster not the best defensively but you know he gobbles up rebounds and helps you in that way i think he would benefit from playing behind lively in dallas and then you know alex caruso he's not a, he's not a, a small forward he's more more of a guard but uh you know i i think he i think he would be a guy that would help the Mavs too so A lot of different scenarios, a lot of different rumors flying around there, speculation, this and that and the other. So we'll see how it goes these next nine days. But it should be interesting, as you all know, or maybe some of you don't know, but the Mavs have made a trade deadline trade uh, in the last seven years. So the chances are something is going to happen here, but we'll see how it goes. Guys, appreciate y'all joining us. Uh, be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, and we will see you next time. Y'all have a great one. Thanks guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone
2: can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product
1: experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call.